Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arskadden coming to you live from North Carolina. And today we want to start a new uh, prayer directive and focus um, to help us be prepared for the season ahead. In the ending of Chuck's Reordering Our Day, he has a 25-day prayer focus uh, titled uh, Focus for Boldly Entering the Throne Room to Restore Covenant Blessings. And we we finished the one last week about preparing ourselves for victory and our minds for victory. And, and today, and, and through this prayer, I just really felt led by the Lord to go through this as a focus for us to, yes, position ourselves to enter in the throne room to restore covenant blessings, but to get ourselves in that right alignment with the Lord. Maybe we've been out of it. Maybe we just need to go deeper um, wherever we're at along this journey. And for myself, it's a thing to go deeper and, and make sure I'm in right alignment in all areas of my life with the Lord to make sure uh, we're focused on what heaven's perspective is. And today's focus is uh, Luke 11 in looking at portions of the Lord's Prayer, but then the rest of it as Jesus deals with um, other issues with the Pharisees and such. And, and obviously the main um, focus of that uh, Luke 11, beginning with the instructions about prayer for the disciples uh, of even you know, a shorter version of what is found in Matthew 6. Hold on, let me pull it back up. Um, of the full Lord's Prayer that most of us know, especially in America, um, of when when Jesus is talking to the disciples of how to pray. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Or if you're King James Version, that's how I remembered it. Um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts. As we forgive our debtors, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And then obviously the Luke 11 um, breakdown of that is just simply, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Then he goes on, um, Jesus, to talk about uh, the journey of faith and, and persistence, kind of building on that of what, what we talked about yesterday. But the, the key focus here is in all aspects of our life to stay focused on heaven's perspective uh, through this journey. And the, the thing for us to really focus on the day is, and I'll bring this up. Chuck says this, he says, meditate on the Lord's prayer found in Luke 11 and think about the perspective that it, it gives us, one of forgiveness, 
one of um, provision and faith that the Lord will provide our daily bread for one of, of a humble and repentant heart to forgive us of our sins and then one to know and trust the Lord that he will guide us and not into temptation and into the areas of life that he's written about us before we were even in our mother's womb. And then he goes on to say, he says, this is the season when the Lord's prayer becomes a reality in our life. He says, we must watch earth and heaven connect. We need to pull into the earth realm things that we have prayed for in past and that are stored in heavenly places. And there's the old saying, um, the religious saying of those who are so earthly minded, uh, so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. And I want to read this portion of a book um, from Chris Valentin that I've been reading. Uh, it's Poverty, Riches, and Wealth. And he's talking about having the wealth mindset. And it's not just about material things. It's about having more so a heavenly experience, uh, mindset to walk out and to trust and to have faith that the Lord will be with you along the journey as, say, Jesus was with the disciples. When And the, this is a key point here that Chris talks about is, you know, just like Jesus when he was with the disciples and they were afraid about the new tax and he goes to the fish and gives it to him to pay the tax is he knew and trusted in the Lord to be able to provide for him with whatever his needs were. That was a need for him in that day to provide a tax. And Chris goes on to say, say of, you know, this statement that you're so heavily minded that you're no earthly good. He says, but the truth is that we are so heavily minded that we are full of earthly goods and that we, as we bring heaven down to earth, we're able to be that light. And that's what it talks about continuing on in Luke 11 of talking about, um, I want to make sure I get this right, about how we're not called to hide our light, um, how we're, we're also the, the the rebuking of Pharisees and such. such. Um, it goes on to talk about the sign of Jonah, about how it, it is – he has come, um, even though Nineveh, when they saw Jonah, repented. And so it's just a mindset to get ourselves in that right alignment with the Lord, humble ourselves uh, as he forgives us, meaning we're repenting of our sins, the Lord will forgive us. And so hopefully with that, we can take this and look at the rest of Luke 11 and, and even that portion of just the Lord's Prayer there. Those really uh, two and a half verses that really just outline three verses that really outline some focuses for us um, as we meditate on Luke 11 and on heaven to, to be able to provide uh, the resources we need, whether that be just simply peace, um, the energy to survive for the day, the concentration, the focus, um, the protection during these seasons, as Psalms talks about. And so we're, we're going to need it in the days ahead as some things are coming up, and we're just going to need the peace of the Lord to guide us through this. And, and more so, we talk about it here, one of the most important things, as we engage in these realms of praying for political leaders and the news, staying focused there, of, of being sober-minded and not letting our anger turn towards sin, uh, but turn it towards the Father and, and seeking His face about what we should do now. With that being said, I, I really wanted to preface that because there are some things that we'll go over today that uh, 
can be infuriating, but we have to stay focused on what the Lord is saying. So uh, starting off, there is some interesting news coming out of the Middle East and Israel around the Iran nuclear deal negotiations. And so we want to look at this a little bit and then dive into some domestic news here as some things have popped out that we really need to keep our emotions in check on. And the first being a story out of really accumulation of stories out of the Middle East. So there's this – I'm first time ever reading this – an article from this organization called the Gatestone Institution uh, International Policy Center. You know nothing about them, but they put together an interesting uh, accumulation of analysis from Iraqi journalists, other Middle Eastern journalists who look at the Biden administration's responses to what is going on in the Iran nuclear deal negotiations. And he points out Two key issues that underline and really undermine the negotiation process that the Biden administration has really given up on. Uh, the first being that the uh, Biden has decided to waive the demand to include the role of Iran's terrorists in the region, in the talks that they're going on in, and also that Biden had decided not to address this issue at all, nor the role of terrorist militias affiliated with Iran and Arab countries. That is the, probably one of the biggest things that is alarming, not besides the fact that they're trying to go for a nuclear deal or a, more so a nuclear weapon. Um, and that's the crux of why Obama got into it supposedly to prevent them from getting that weapon, quote unquote, of keeping them on, on that 6% number. Um, but they've well past sword that at 60% known, close, some believe closer to 90. And there's some evidence in through Israel that they're they're right there. Um, and so that's – the reason that that's huge is besides that, the next step for Iran is to gain influence in these other countries. Yemen, as they have been, um, building up their troops there. Uh, Lebanon, Syria, possibly coming towards Israel. Other Arab countries, um, are they going into Afghanistan? Who knows now um, with um, al-Qaeda leading there? And then second, the one thing that the Biden administration has given up on, um, according to this organization, is that they're giving up on really tracking uh, Iran's ballistic missile program ballistic missile program and the threat that it poses to security not only to the region, Middle East, to the to the Israeli allies, but to the U.S. itself and our interests. Um, so, if you're not tracking them, you're not staying up to date with what's happening with these missiles, what they're able to, how many they're building, uh, where they're moving them, what they're doing with them. Are they moving them to Nicaragua with the, via the Russian troops, via ships through Venezuela, Nicaragua, possibly Cuba? Uh, another whole situation is coming about because the Biden administration just has no backbone on this issue. Then you get into um, a news article out of Jerusalem, the Jerusalem Post, and I'll link these articles after I'm done um, to kind of help you give a, a, a better understanding. Because the one from the Ga Gatestone um, Institute 
goes on to, to list out how different countries journalists are very showing very problematic reasons for why and it's all dealing around those two uh, basic issues there that we talked about of basically not tracking uh, and not keeping them economically hampered so that they can't recruit provide money etc and then also the ballistic missile issue of letting them track and israel says that that's a huge problem um in their response here um and iran is saying this uh, let me pull it up let me go down to it and pull it up is that um basically they're not agreeing to any deal until um i want to make sure i get this right Iran will not c continue any negotiation until the IAEA probe is dropped and guarantees – listen to this. This is – this should make you chuckle. They want guarantees from the United States that any future president will not leave the deal, such as what happened with President Trump in 2019 – or 2018, excuse me, uh, which is a commitment that Joe Biden obviously can't make legally, and he says this. And that Western corporations will do business with Islamic Republic, which you can't force companies to do that. So these are the things that they're – new things that are coming out that they're trying to have the U.S. negotiate with. They know – Iran, who I'm speaking of, knows that the Biden administration has legal, no legal authority to make this deal as far as promising that they will not leave the deal. And they, they know they have no authority to force Western corporations, American, European corporations, to get back into this deal. So they're, this deal is bad faith, number one, and Iran is setting parameters for it to fail, period. If somehow they get back into it, it just shows the utter disaster of the Biden administration. Uh, one thing to note is that this deal of they're trying to get back into does not address Iran's sponsor of terrorism, proxy war, ballistic missile programs, and other malign actions, which is what we, the other article talked about, that issue there. Um, and that's one of these things this Jerusalem Post article points out that, look, when you have problems with um, how Iran is being involved in places like Syria, Lebanon, Yemen, um, and growing, possibly sending people through um, the border uh, in Jordan and e possibly Egypt, uh, they're speculating. It's very problematic. Um, also remind you of who who the other nations are involved in this discussion. Um, Israel ha has pointed out um, is involved a little bit, but also Iran, the nation involved, Russia, China, France, Germany, and the UK and the United States. Obviously, Russia and China are involved in this now, uh, um, as we pointed to. And so this is this is what we're dealing with. We just want to stay aware. And dealing with this, and um, Israel's stance is this, is that if Iran were to do anything, um, then Israel will ultimately defend itself. Like there's nothing that will come around that – I'm trying to make sure I get this statement correctly um, – that in reality is, look, the, the – Israel will defend itself. Um I, I can't find it, um, but the the reality is 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 if it comes to it, Israel's going to do what it's necessary to do to protect itself. Now, on that front, the Iran nuclear front, we we 
we see the realities of this. We want to pray for that. But before we I, we, get, we continue to pray on this issue, there is the statements coming out uh, via Russian uh, Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, who has – I'm going to read this, and you're going to chuckle again. This is very rich. Uh, condemns Israel missile strikes on Israel, and he said this. I want to quote this. He said – Quoting from the Jerusalem Post, we strongly condemn the dangerous practices of Israeli strikes on Syrian territory. We demand that Israel respect the resolutions of the United Nations Security Council and, above all, respect, quote-unquote, the sovereignty and territorial integrity of Syria. Yes, you heard that right. He said that Israel must respect the sovereignty and territorial integrity of Syria, while at the same time they're going after Ukraine and not respecting the sovereign authority of the Ukrainian borders and the Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian land. But it's okay for us to, to attack somebody's sovereign nation, but it's not okay for Israel to defend itself after they, they attacked Iranian-backed forces in Syria known Iranian-backed forces, and this is because it was near Russian uh, bases in Syria. So this is very rich. This is the reason I point this out. This is who Israel and the United States are dealing with when they're negotiating this Iran nuclear deal. The Lord has called us to, to bless Israel, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem all throughout Scripture. We've gone through that before, and so we want to remember that um, as we see what is going on with our administration. So we want to continue to pray for this administration, ultimately repent for their stance to divide the land of Israel, uh, to do things that would break up the peace of Jerusalem, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, intercede for the Biden administration and military leaders to have the fear of the Lord when making decisions on Israel and Iran specifically in this stance. This would be not only disastrous militarily, but economically, um, and just throwing support and money. And this was the problem of the Iran nuclear deal from the beginning. It threw money at Iran, gave money to Iran. Um, and, it's, and then they use that to sponsor state terrorism, as Iran is doing in Syria with Hezbollah, as it does with Hamas in Israel, as it does with other organizations all throughout the Middle East, and now – Unfortunately, whether we realize it or not and are, and are aware of it and our leaders here are aware of it in the United States and closer to our borders um, via Nicaragua, Nicaragua, Venezuela, and possibly Cuba as they've all um, gathered into relationships as well. So something to be very, very keen in on and aware of. Okay, domestically, I want to talk about this because this is one of those things we can – get out of whack on if we're not careful um and there's the news that dr fauci said he's going to resign in december from his current position um with the uh, national institute of allergy and infectious diseases and chief of naid laboratory and uh, intermineralization um and some other things as far as being a part of the biden administration now, he did say this. He says, I am not retiring. This is coming from the news release from the NIH.gov website. He's just going to go into other things, possibly being a professor or whatever. Um, now, 
that's not the thing we need to be be mindful of. Some people are celebrating. Some people are whatever on it. Um, it's 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 a time to move on. Uh, I think in reality, but you have these quote unquote promises from Republicans who vowed to investigate Fauci after he leaves office. I I bring I I gotta pull up any article. I bring up this article specifically because all throughout this article, after it goes through every member that will possibly be in Congress, in the Senate, over some portion of the possible investigation into Fauci, all keys in on the fact of their position if a Republican majority is gained in the midterms. Now, this is not the only reason to vote Republican in the midterms. Um, will something fully come out of this? Will the Biden administration protect him? Um give him immunity? Will he pull the same thing that Steve Bannon's pulling, other people are pulling of, well, um, this is protected, et cetera, stuff like this, because he worked in the administration? Who knows? But I say this, is that these investigations, while they seem, yeah, hurrah, they can get the motive and, 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 and motivate people uh, to go vote, is let's not forget Planned Parenthood is doing the exact same thing based upon the battle for life and death via abortion. They're spending 150, possibly 200 million dollars of candidates who will vote for their agenda, who will push their agenda in these critical races. So let's let's understand this because the reason I say this is if you're only listening to one side of the news, Republican, Libertarian side of the news, then your only thing you're hearing is we're going to win. It's going to be a red wave, a tsunami. How did that work out in 2020? Not so well. Um, so we can't be naive to think that just because somebody says something doesn't make it true. And that's going on the whole Saul Linsky thing. You tell a lie long enough, it becomes the truth. That's not necessarily the case. And Republicans are falling right into that, um, which then leads me into this story. Another thing to be fully aware of, understand where the news is coming from, wait, be patient and sober aware about it, is that – and this is kind of the most recent update on the Trump Mar-a-Lago raid – is that just the news has come out and said that they have memos from earlier this year showing that the White House possibly – might have facilitated the DOJ criminal probe against Trump. Now, I say this, and, and I'll pull this up here so you can see the headline. Um, I say this to say this is number one. Just the News and John Solomon, they do great reporting, but we have to know their bias. They are extremely pro-Trump. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. They're very open about that. But here's the reality. is they're making this look and writing it as if this is like they have Watergate tapes. Like they have the the smoking gun, the evidence of the shell casings of the bullets used to go after this. It's a very thin, 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 thin margin of how this went down. They're making it seem like Biden ordered the raid 
And in reality, he didn't. He said he just would end these memos and these letters and these emails with um, deputy law lawyers of the White House and the administration. And they could be rogue as far as the president himself doesn't necessarily know about it because he's not fully there. It could be other people underlying it. And that's what it, this article more seems to point to. But I, I say all this to say is this needs to be verified by somebody else. Somebody else needs to look at this besides just fully 100% believing this because my analysis on this is that, look, while this shows um, at best that the Biden administration uh, was going to allow the DOJ and the National Archives to basically go after Trump, um, making it seem like the Biden administration was the one who facilitated this and, and pushed them to do this isn't necessarily the case. Might they have uh, not impeded them in any way? Most likely. And, and it's to sit there and say that they are the one who facilitated all this is a a high claim. And this is one of those things we really need to keep our emotions in check because what happens with something like this is people take this as 100% fact that this means they're the ones who ordered it. They ordered those agents to go in, and that's where we really need to be careful because there's no evidence of that. I'm not saying they didn't or did do that. There's no evidence of that that can be proven in court. If they did, okay, that's a different story, but you need something like the Watergate tapes to prove that. They don't have that here in this scenario as of yet. Um, now, does that mean there doesn't need to be investigation and looking into this? Trump's dealing with that on the forefront. He's the one person who will go to the end of all be all to defend himself, number one, uh, then the not to, to allow this to be thrown under the bus and forgotten about. You can trust that about Trump, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately in this case, which gets to today some elections, primaries in New York, California, I mean in Florida, excuse me, and um, a special runoff in Oklahoma. So there are several races to look at um, there, both the uh, Republican-Democratic gubernatorial primary in Florida and some Democratic primaries in several in New York where incumbents are being challenged uh, based upon some of their stances and their votes that have come up. And that's huge coming out of New York because if you could pull back some of those seats of people who are being pro – radically progressive and radically uh, tyrannical and government overreach type things. Now the question is, is are in the Democratic primaries, are some of these candidates worse than the people who are already there? Does the Lord want some people removed from office? Pop, maybe. We'll see. But the these primaries are important because they really outline, especially in New York, as, as a lot of the delegates there um, are determined – for the rest of the country, given the presidential election, it'll really um, outline some things there and see the temperature of where the country, and especially New York, lies after the COVID situation and people leaving. Do people's has pol people's politics changed? We'll see. Um, this is one step in that direction. So we want to pray um, on all these issues that are things that are up in the air. And while focuses are on investigations and all this stuff, we need to pray for voters to have the wisdom and fear of the Lord and vote based upon biblical moral values when they go in so that we can have leaders who are going to bring heavenly solutions to the problems that exist here in this nation 
Um, and, and, and so we really want to stay focused on that as, as we gear up towards the midterms. And then one other thing, uh, one of two other things we want to pay attention to is, um, there's a report out of CNN that the white house is now leaning towards canceling, uh, $10,000 in student loan debt for borrowers who make less than 125,000, possibly just pausing it all together, continuing the pause all together. And um, there are economists who have come out and said this would be disastrous. In reality, whether they do this or not is not the problem. The problem in and of itself is the fact that the government continues to just dole out student loans to anybody who signs up for college. You sign up for college, cool, you get student loans. Somebody you're 18 getting a, a degree in underwater basket weaving, and you can't get a return on that. Lesbian gender studies, um, women's studies, all these th all these type of things that a lot of people um, have been getting degrees in, or um, even other degrees just to get a degree for a degree's sake. Uh, the, and the reality is, is the because the federal government, unfortunately, is the only player monopoly in the game of student loans, there needs to be something to pull back the just empty check that uh, Sally May has, and more so the federal government has, to just write blank checks for these higher education degrees that are really watering down not only the college experience, but the, the, the value of a college degree. And look, there are some people, and studying history, you look at sometimes people went and got jobs first and then figured out what they wanted to do and then went to college. So they went to college later in life. Um, it's just a maturation and they understand it more. I, when I went to college, I had people who, um, via the GI Bill, which I think that's fine, um, through their experience in the military, they had a little bit more maturity. And so they took their education a little bit more seriously than um, some knucklehead just straight, coming straight out of college, a uh, high school who just wanted, you know, quote unquote, the American college experience to, to do uh, rambunctious things. I digress on that. So it's an issue, issue we need to pay attention to. This could affect possibly delay. Uh, um, payment, but possibly um, cause more problems economically. There's just something to be fully aware of as we go forward. And then I want to close on this. Uh, something to, to pray about a heavenly solution for, as heaven is our focus, is there is a, a, a book coming. I haven't read it. I'm most likely not going to read it. Uh, called Raising Lazarus from Beth Macy, who um, basically tells a story uh, of hope, justice, and the future of the American overdose crisis of, of opiates, um, fentanyl, et cetera, and stuff like that. And she proposes a solution uh, with really no redemptive purpose other than Hey, something needs to be done. And then look, it can lead people in the right direction on this issue. But for anyone involved in and her pain in this is that she had friends who were involved in this and some of the solutions she's offering in this book and have publicly come out for uh, providing safe needles, et cetera, stuff like that. She also pushes for recovery programs, which aren't necessarily a bad thing, but it is in this argument of something needs to be done for the opioid crisis, which I think everybody in America could fully get behind is is what is heaven saying on this issue? Because at the end of the day, the only thing that will help these people and, and heal them and, and deal with whatever hunger is inside of them is 
the Holy Spirit. And until we have the Holy Spirit being involved in their recovery, being involved in, in, in dealing with, and maybe there's something needs to be done in the forefront to be preventative, is have the Holy Spirit. So when we pray for revival, these are the type of issues we're praying for. Of these people and ourselves and any other any other natural issue that needs the Holy Spirit to come will come and we can have that heavenly focus. That's why it's important for us to be the ones to bring heaven down to earth and distribute it to those here who, who may be in a crisis uh, of depression, who may be need a, a healing of not only their physical bodies, but of their, their souls and of their minds, as we all have at some point in our lives. And, and I, I end, I'll end on this is Paul Kane's vision of the stadiums being filled and this the, the, all, the news reports saying there's no news but good news today and he says what he saw was a panning to uh, arrowhead and stadiums being filled with people hungry no nameless faceless people healing people it, the, not just one person being the one to lead the revival of the healings it was a massive amounts of people being involved in that and that's what we want to focus on of having the lord come through us as we focus on heaven to deal with our issues to be able to heal ourselves and then to go forward and spread the gospel of the kingdom through our healing and through that revival not just for a small pack of people but so that souls can be saved and lives can be healed going forward so we don't have to worry about the opioid crisis. We can deal with that via supernatural healing. And so I'll close on that, uh, that reminder of visions of prophets from the past so that we can stay focused on our purpose and why we're here praying for the office of the president to pray that the Holy Spirit just come in and invade the White House, the Capitol, um, and not, not necessarily so that we can just elect the right leaders, but that those leaders can be led by a people who are led by the Holy Spirit to put them in office. So I close on that. Thank you to every one of you for following today. Don't forget we have our noon prayer online and at Christian Shreveport for anybody who wants to join us. And I'll be back tomorrow to continue on our journey for praying for the office of the president. Blessings, and I'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a good one.